Good day, everyone. I am Uluvale Tudube, and today I am joined by Dr. Debojo Baleng. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Debojo Baleng is a medical doctor, has been in the industry for quite a few years. Um, interesting fact about him that I found out today is that he is afraid of roosters. Doctor, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we had, um, when I was growing up, mm. we had a rooster at home, mm. big one, uh, and two dogs, okay. German shepherds. And the rooster started, just learned to behave like a dog. Oh my God. I would run with them and, <laughs> and I just walked into the yard. I was coming back from playtime, mm. walked into the yard running. Mm. And she just followed me to the kitchen door, climbed on top of me, and just assaulted the hell A rooster. It's been <laughs> one of those things, and I've never <laughs> wanted to be close to chickens or roosters ever again. That's a very valid reason. <laughs> it's a very traumatic experience. Of roosters. <laughs> I was about four years old. Oh my God, no. It was terrible. Oh, that's horrible. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I've been, I'm really excited to have this talk with you because I've been meaning to have this conversation, but what better way to have it than on screen? I'm actually heading up a new division at Insight and it sounds really exciting. Do you want to just share on that? Yeah, quite exciting. Um, the unit is called Strategic Health Governance uh, and Clinical Consulting. Um, very new team. It's a mm -hmm. team of four at the moment, uh, likely to be upwards of 10, 15 uh, by the new year. So we're quite excited. Uh, good pipeline of clients and, uh, you know, exciting work. We focus on strategy design, health governance, clinical advisory, health policy and regulatory affairs. Okay. Uh, right through the spectrum uh, in a strictly advisory capacity. Uh, our clients are medical schemes, healthcare providers. Um, we've done some work for for non-health non players uh, like the banks uh, uh, and we're hoping to get, you know, do some advisory work in the, uh, the not-for-profit and NGO, okay. NGO space as well, probably public sector. So we're not we're not limited to medical schemes. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. I can't wait to see what we what we get up to as insight. Yeah. Um, so your topic today was um good governance, a catalyst for improved medical scheme performance. Um, do you mind sharing just a brief overview of what inspired that talk, and then we can go into the details on that talk. <laughs> okay, so um, I think governance is. It's got these negative connotations. Mm. It's, you know, mm. people think governance and they think, oh, trustees yeah. and, you know, uh, admin, lots of admin that goes nowhere, et cetera. But governance is a key element of organizational performance, right? Otherwise, you're not able, you can have a strategy, mm. you can have an operating model. If you don't have a, you know, governance and accountability framework that guides that, you know, mm. uh, and I think it's often underrated in terms of its impact. Mm. And a lot of 
if you look at even within the medical schemes environment, if you look at uh, schemes that have gone into curatorship, mm. a lot of times it's governance-related issues. Some mm. of those schemes actually have very healthy surpluses and, and reserves, mm. uh, but have you know specific issues around governance. And one of the you know one of the slides I showed actually is mm. that it's got an impact even at at systemic level mm. uh, if you don't get it right. So. It was just just a different take on performance within the health sector, mm. and you know a key factor that's often ignored. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed during the talk that you mentioned um, just the health sector and how it really um, impacts the prosperity of a country. Do you want to just touch on that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the most prosperous nations, mm. people often think they have good health systems because they are wealthy. Mm. But actually, it's the other way around. Mm. Look at countries like Norway, Denmark, Japan, etc. They perform well economically because they invested in health, education, and social empowerment uh, part of, you know, of the prosperity index. And through that, they get populations that are driven, that are healthy, that are educated, and they just outperform everyone. Mm. Um, and they live longer, right? So they can stay economically active for, for, you know, on average a longer period of time. So the country in that it becomes quite competitive, um, economically speaking. And that's how they achieve their kind of, you know, um, economic gains. So the health sector is quite an important critical factor mm. in a country's per, um, So where does South Africa sit when we're comparing it to um, these other nations? Uh, South Africa ranks uh, 75th mm. currently in the 2023 ratings. Um, it's yeah, it, it, a bit disappointing because we've actually gone the wrong way. Um, I showed in my presentation that mm. we were ranked, I think, 62, about 15, 16 years ago. Mm. And we're slowly going, you know. Backward. Backwards. Backwards. Mm. Mainly due to the socioeconomic empowerment um, metrics, health, education, living standards, um, and then also from an inclusion point of view, the our rates of crime mm-hmm. are impairing our scores. And then we've also had our governance ratings have also mm-hmm. uh, slipped. So I think a combination of all of those factors and the state of our economy mm-hmm. have actually contributed to us, um, you know, going in the wrong direction, which is quite disappointing. It is very disappointing, yes. So how do you feel that governance is very important when it comes to dealing with these issues and like getting South Africa back on the right track? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think, um, look, I, I think governance just deals with just beyond setting a strategic direction mm. and and aspiration about policies, etc. It's a discipline, disciplined approach to saying these are policy intentions mm-hmm. and this is our strategy, but how do we hold ourselves accountable to deliver on those aspirations? 
And I think that's that's the the key thing the key. Um, to set goals and and you know milestones etc. But without that accountability element is is in mean, is meaningless. And I think governance is a is a is a team sport. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the concerns with the NHI bill, which is why you know we think the governance model that's suggested in the NHI bill is problematic, mm-hmm. is. Everything resides in the minister's office. Minister appoints the head of the NHI. He will appoint the NHI executive team. He appoints the board of the NHI. Um, uh, the NHI fund is not going to be uh, regulated by the CMS, which is the regulator for health, health funds, medical um, teams. Uh, it's not even clear who will regulate uh, the NHI. Um, you know, so just that concentration of power in the minister's office is a great worry. All other technical issues aside, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a, it would be appropriate for one office to sit and preside over a health fund of, what, 500 billion rand per annum. And it's presided by one person. ESCOM is 205 million, mm. billion, right? So the NHI fund, as a fund, fully implemented as envisaged by the bill, would be roughly two and a half times the size of ESCOM. Mm-hmm. I don't think the country can afford that level of uh, concentration of risk. Mm-hmm. And it's a governance issue. The governance model is wrong. It's inappropriate, I think, for for what we're trying to achieve. That's very interesting. So you've already touched on an aspect where you can see some warning signs on that government governance perspective um in your talk you also spoke about other warning signs that you see in companies what are the key warning signs that highlight that there's a problem here yeah um leadership dynamics um you know just decision making lack of strategic direction lack of clarity around you know uh, ambition and and um purpose mm. uh Oftentimes, there's a breakdown in communication channels uh, at leadership level, but within the organization, um, there's all sorts of issues around financial mismanagement, operational mismanagement, uh, lack of innovation. Mm-hmm. They come, you know, organizations that are poorly governed tend to want they they, they tend to want to stick to and of today's work, we just chug along mm. because there is no there is no oversight, there is no governing body that says, let's stretch, let's mm. aspire for more, let's hold ourselves accountable for better mm. results. So everyone just kind of just focus on 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 the here the here and now. There's usually an opaque kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, uh, no transparency in terms of reporting, and um, and just a lack of focus on customer value mm. or stakeholder value generally. Well, and you know, these are factors that when you see in an organization, usually ring alarm bells. Mm, uh, if mm. I see two or three of those, uh, I'm already worried. Uh, mm. Before I even check your financial statements, I have a clue that. Things are not all right, and mm. oftentimes we're not surprised mm. when we look at the detail. That's interesting. So, when um, an organization wants to fix their governance issues, when we go in to fix the governance issues, what are the main things that we 
um, go 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 into one of the tasks we perform there. Mm. So think specifically in health. Mm. Um, I'd say look at governance not just as structures. Mm. Uh, of course, you need structures. You need the you know board of directors or board of trustees. You need the oversight committees, etc. So that's necessary. So structure is important. You need processes that speak to accountability and and advisory functions mm -hmm. uh, to the board uh, and and the oversight committees. But you also need. A focus on out on on outcomes, specifically governance outcomes, mm -hmm. and our simple framework there is to look at governance from, you know, split it into three domains. Mm -hmm. There's normal corporate governance issues, mm -hmm. quality of your leadership, uh, transparency, um, you know, reporting and accountability frameworks, etc. Mm -hmm. Then there's the clinical element. If you're in healthcare. Mm -hmm your governance framework has to speak to clinical outcomes, um, right? Because then th that's the business of health ultimately. Uh, um, and lastly, financial risk protection and financial performance. Uh, and what we try and do is then look in, at an organization's performance, look at their s strategic objectives in that light, and then say, you know, based on these objectives, this is perhaps how you should be monitoring yourselves, holding the organization and all the people who work within it accountable for delivery on mm -hmm. the objectives, um, and and work work from there. It's actually quite quite simple mm -hmm. once once you you do it that way, um, you know. And yeah, we're hoping to kind of uh, build a, a tool. That's easily replicable that okay. we can, you know, share with our clients. Yeah. Okay. We've tested it with one successfully. Um, so you've tested it with one successfully. Do you want to just share the outcomes of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um speaking without without their permission. And I, I I anonymized that slide because I'm I'd meant to, you know, engage the client uh, beforehand, but they you know, I just engaged them after the talk and they were quite quite happy that you know, actually, they were saying, "Why didn't you mention it's us?" Okay, uh, but they had gone through a terrible period mm. of massive governance failures, executive level misconduct. Mm. Um, the finances weren't looking good. Uh, there were below statutory requirements in terms of reserves. Mm. Uh, they'd been over underpricing their benefits for a number of years against actuarial advice. Mm. Um, so financial performance had dipped and the clinical governance metrics were also not, not looking great. They had massive access gaps, for example, in their network. So they, mm -hmm. they did a whole lot of contracting with providers, but they were sitting with coverage levels of 40% in some of their networks, you know. So it was, you know, things like that. It just overall wasn't a good situation. Mm -hmm. And that's why the board at the time decided we're going to do a strategic review, we'll have a strategy, uh, we must review our operating model because they wanted to also just position uh, themselves in view of, you know, the policy changes in the country. And they then made some very tough calls around 
whatever our strategy design is, the organizational design must follow, mm. right? And the duty of the board then is to make sure they oversee the strategy, they monitor alignment between strategy and ops, and they were very meticulous in, in setting that, that framework. And, and the results over a six-year period is they now surplus making. They've got a few products that are, you know, performing quite well. Mm -hmm. uh, their membership is still growing. Uh, their reserves are above statutory requirements. Um, and if you speak to the principal officer and the executive team, they feel the cohesion between EXCO and the board is very strong. And much more, you know, not, not without struggles day to day, but generally a far cry from where they've come from. So, you know, it's it's a good story. It's amazing. It's a good story. Well, thank you so much for having us. Um, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, not much, really. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Another insightful <laughs> insightful podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers.